G'day mate, 40 here. So I'm getting over the devastating Dallas Cowboys loss to the San Francisco 49ers in the divisional round on Sunday, 19 to 12. I mean, devastating for so many reasons. The Cowboys almost played good enough to win. Uh, devastating knowing that uh, Dak Prescott is locked into an expensive contract to be our quarterback for the next two years. And he is at best a, a mediocre quarterback. I mean, just so pathetic that we didn't have an additional weapon like Amari Cooper on the team who we traded away for a fifth round draft pick. I mean, and sad because the San Francisco 49ers came over during warm ups to intimidate Brett Maher and the Cowboys punter, Brian Anger. And uh, the Cowboys, you know, let them get away with it. it let them interfere with the, the kickers appropriately warming up for the game. So I'm here at Watson's Bay, listening to a little uh, Ann Quarter, and she's uh, talking with John Tierney. She says that uh, plastic good. Right? So John Tierney is kind of. Uh, the resident conservative at the New York Times. So, John Tierney here on why plastic is good for the planet. Yes. And then that became bad. Yes, I, I always think it's um, the inventions of males that are the true liberators of women. The vacuum. So, this is Ann Coulter interviewing John Tierney on a Substack. And, and the plastic. I was just talking to a friend of mine today in Los Angeles. Um, I, I don't have children, but he was talking about everybody's favorite subject, changing babies' diapers. And he was talking about how it's actually, it isn't gross because of these throwaway diapers. And they have like kitten, kitty litter in the lining of the diaper. And he said every once in a while, he'd be at um, you know, a dinner party in L.A. with some enviro types. Oh, no, we don't want to do that. We get, we get, we use cloth diapers and we have them picked up every week and cleaned and brought back. How's that for the environment? All these trucks driving around to pick up your laundry. <laughs> right, and what a great job for people to be doing cleaning your dirty you know, diapers. That's really high quality. Work. I mean, I'm glad people have jobs, but it's just, you know, I mean, that was something where the Enviros had a campaign against that, and then people started actually looking into the environmental impact. And this was even before, you know, carbon emissions that became a big deal. But how much water was involved, how much energy was involved. And they finally, even the Greens gave up and said, if you really look at. So, John Tini has a lot of contrarian perspectives, all right? He says things that I. I wouldn't expect, the, the contrary to the dominant narratives. Interesting guy. It's hard to say that either one is better for the environment. And obviously one is a lot better for humans. <laughs> so yes, yes. I mean, so, I don't even care about the green impact, which you do yeah. get into. I had an argument with my contractor on whether um, the kitchen island should have a separate garbage can for recycling. And I'm arguing with you. Right, recycling is good, right? You know, only a Neanderthal could argue that recycling's not good. But... Uh, <laughs> is it really? So John Tierney and Coulter present some uh, pretty strong arguments against this uh, myth of recycling. And then one of the fancy ladies helping me with my house, and I just keep insisting to them, no, I promise you, I am never, ever going to use the recycling bin. Oh, but it'll lower the resale value. Fine, I won't sell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to sell to a recycler anyway. <laughs> aspect of it. I mean, I am, I am a bit of a germaphobe. I think most normal people are. And, and that had never even occurred to me. It just annoyed me that they want me to wash these things out and put them in different... Um, I worked for a big law firm in New York when I first got out of law school, and they had their separate you know, paper and plastic. And then, you know, you work late at night and see the cleaning ladies come around, and they dump them all into the same barrel. <laughs> 
Yeah, exactly. Well, that, I mean, that's the cheapest thing to do with it. And, you know, the hygiene thing, you know, back, back when this started, they were doing, you know, there were these studies coming out where they would just count all the bacteria in these reusable things. And, and that's going on today. There have been studies with these tote bags, these plastic tote bags yes. that people use for grocery. And they always find, you know, coliform bacteria, viruses on them. There have been cases of, like, soccer teams that got sick because they brought, you know, the, the, the food with them on a trip and it was in one of these tote bags and everybody got sick. And, you know, you're supposed to wash it, you know, every week or every time you use it, which nobody does. <laughs> and, and, of course, I mean, these bags are so heavy and they use so much plastic. They cost so much energy to ship, to make them, to transport them that they're far worse for, you know, carbon emissions and, you know, and they're unhealthier and, you know, and who wants to, you know, you know, look around tote bags when a grocery, you know, store will give you this beautiful, incredibly efficient, environmentally friendly, thin plastic bag, takes up no room in the landfills, it takes almost no energy to, uh, to use it, you know, and people just go, well, it's just so wasteful to throw it away. And you go, well, it's made of natural gas. It all came out of the land. Just, just put it back in the earth where it was. It's actually more stable now than it was before, you know, when it was natural gas or petroleum. So well, it's just, also people, I mean, I certainly do reuse them by lining Right. And bathroom garbage can with them. Now I have to buy separate plastic bags for all of the garbages. Right, and they found that you know people buy thicker plastic bags for the garbage, so it's actually more carbon emission. You know, there's a great study by Reason that looked at San Francisco, and and they find you know that there are more sales of thicker plastic bags to replace them because people need something for their dogs. You know, they use it. So many of the things, big picture, many of the things that we're told are virtuous, not really virtuous, and many virtuous things that we could be doing, right, don't get much attention or encouragement. So doing the virtuous thing usually requires some willpower and some extra effort. So if you're going to do the virtuous thing, like it really should pay off. Right? If it's going to be an inconvenience, takes time, takes effort, right? then the virtuous thing should have a substantial payoff. And, and they estimated that it, that it increased bag-related emissions by at least like 9%, maybe double them. You know, I mean, so you got more carbon in the atmosphere while everyone's looking around these inconvenient tote bags. And, you know, and you're also getting tote bags shipped from China instead of ones that are made in the United States. It's just the whole thing is just insane. And um, also compared to paper bags, I think you said that in the landfill, the paper bags are biodegradable bags, both of them. They, they emit something, something bad for humans or bad for the environment, whereas plastic just sits there. Right. I mean, it's perfectly stable. Doesn't do anything. I mean, there's methane that, as the you know paper bag decomposes, they release methane. Which is That's it. I mean, in, you know, in reality, landfills are capturing some of that. And actually, what really happens in landfills, people think, oh, I'm using this organic stuff that will decompose. It just sits there. It's basically entombed. And you know, they've been to the Fresh Kills landfill in New York. That you know, there there are garbologists who've gone in there, and they can read the New York Times from the 1930s. You know, it's just really, nothing really happens to it. And you may as well just put the plastic in there and let it. You know, send it back to Earth. You're completing closure for the bag. You know, and these paper bags take up like I think 12 times more room in the landfill than yes. in the plastic bag. And so, and they use four times more carbon emissions. It's just, I mean, it really is, it's, uh, I mean, the recycling thing, uh, a big reason for that is just this intuitive sense that we're running out of everything. We're running out of landfill space. And this, and I think it also appeals to the kind of hoarding instinct. You know, I've written about tightwads and spendthrifts that they've done, you know, lots of studies of that. They're actually, I think, probably more tightwads and spendthrifts. And so the idea of throwing anything away that we, you know, do it, it just has this visceral thing for, for people that way. And well, that's the, why I prefer the plastic, though. I, I'm, I'm... And blessings to Elliot Blatt. I mean... Many of these regulations and you know, many of the things that we're told to do, it just gets the sense that it's you know bossy people wanting to boss their social inferiors around, right? So, how many of these bossy directives actually are positive for the world? You know, how many of them are actually net neutral? How many of them are net negative? And that's the thing with complicated issues like climate change. Like, how much is it? The people on the left, you know, want to boss people around, want to seize an opportunity to completely, you know, take over the economy, take over society. And, you know, climate change is just the latest excuse. Just like when people wanted to get rid of Donald Trump, they tried Russiagate and that failed. Then 
you know, they ginned up Black Lives Matter protests. Right. So how, how much of this do-goodery is just people wanting to boss other people around? Part Scottish, so definitely on the tightwad side of things. So, Elliot Blatt, how much has your happiness level been raised by the triumphant San Francisco 49ers victory on Sunday? And what do you think of the keys to the game, the NFC Championship, as San Francisco travels to Philadelphia? All right, so presented by Armorall, we've got Elliot Blatt's keys to victory for the San Francisco 49ers NFC Championship game. But you can you can squish about a hundred plastic bags into one drawer. The paper bags, you know, you pile up four of them. It's taking up the entire drawer space. Right, exactly. I mean, it's, it's so much more wasteful in so many ways. You know, I mean, the other thing about about recycling that there's an English professor Jim Twitchell who's written some really good books about consuming and the lead us into temptation is one of them. And he said that um, most of us like to think of ourselves. Well, I'm not materialist. I don't need stuff. I don't care about that stuff. But then we look at our garbage, you know, and we realize we can't have a lot of stuff. And he goes, it's the lipstick on the collar of our love affair with consumption. And there's this feeling that we can therefore, if we recycle it somehow, it's less. We're getting rid of the lipstick somehow. You know? it's really- <laughs> I mean, the other thing about the plastic is, um, and this, I, I was really interested to find out about this because I've been puzzling, you know, for like a couple decades on why do people care so much about this. Mm-hmm. And plastic stuff is so bizarre because it's so much better for everyone. So it's, there's so much better products. I mean, you're making people with disabilities use plastic straws instead of, you know, I mean, papers. So, Elliot Latt, you live in the San Francisco Bay Area. This is like a fantastic opportunity for you to bond with your fellow San Franciscans. Like, are you taking advantage of 49er dominance? Are you taking advantage of your ability to walk around fully engorged? Like, are you taking advantage of that to you know, start bonding with your fellow members of the, the Bay Area community, start opening up some you know, new social connections, you know, start getting close to people you know, while fully engorged? Right. So horrible. But there is this other just deep-seated human need to boss people around for the other <laughs> Yes, this deep-seated human need to boss other people around. Now, I think some people feel this much more profoundly than other people. And it does seem to be primarily something on the left rather than the right. Laws and um, the, 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 and I, there's a great book on this. And the, there were all these laws, they've been around for thousands of years, where the ruling classes would decree what products, what foods, and what clothes people could use. And the ostensible purpose, and these really big in the late Middle Ages, you know, up until the Enlightenment, and the ostensible purpose was the same as today's agreement, but we're trying to curb it. And Elliot says the cowboys are homos, and I agree, Elliot, and I mean that's a good thing, I mean, that's a great thing. So when I say the Dallas Cowboys are gay, I mean that as a compliment, right. This is a, a homophilic statement. That's a and, but they never succeeded. People, you know, they would ban anyone from using silk except priests. They could do it, but no one else could wear silk, for instance. Um, but people would just find another luxury product, you know, to somehow show their status. And, and they were incredibly elaborate. Like, you know, no one below the rank of a countess could wear a dress with, with three silver stripes on it. And nobody could wear velvet hose unless you were a cavalier. And, and, and all these arcane rules. And actually, people would go around enforcing these things sometimes. But mostly, I think they were just ignored. They were, and they never worked. And the mystery, a bunch of scholars did a big, you know, symposium on this and published it. But why did they keep passing these laws that never achieved their purpose? And the real answer was because they did achieve their purpose of making the upper classes feel better about, you know, that it, it, yes. marked, it marked the lower classes couldn't wear a silk, you know, um, uh, a silk dress and you could, so this marked you off. And it, this sort of, and the, and the, it was the clergy and the, you know. I mean, this sounds very similar to today's environmental laws. It's the upper classes that are trying to impose their will and bully the lower classes. They take advantage of their power, take advantage of their supposedly greater virtue uh, to bully 
ordinary people. Nobles who could cast these laws. You know, Adam Smith railed against him when he comes in for people in the upper classes who are the most wasteful, profligate people in society to be telling everyone else to curb it's just it's just the height of hypocrisy. You know, I, I mean I love the, the Queen Elizabeth II and you know Queen Elizabeth I was one of the ones who promised, you know, to do inordinate excess. She was, you know, demanding it. And you know, she banned plastic bottles and straws. You know, yes. Now, this is a woman with the, one of the biggest carbon footprints in the world. I mean, she has like six massive residences, and she's and she can feel virtuous. I banned plastic straws, so I'm doing my part. And you know, and all these. Well, I think today's sanctuary laws are—they're not—it's not just something that's stated. They're actually being enforced. You can't get plastic straws or plastic bags in New York. Whenever I'm going to California or New York from another state, half of my suitcase are you know plastic bags from the grocery store. Smuggling the men. Remember when didn't Dave Barry? He was he was talking about people smuggling in toilets from Canada after they put in the low restrictions. You have to do that. You know, I mean, California. It's be one of the most. So I believe Australia invented dual flush toilets. Makes me really proud to come from this country. Was the California legislature banned hotels from offering those little plastic bottles of shampoo? It's like what? What is the point of that? Other than irritating people, is this? Yes. Yeah, well, in California, I, I, I shop at the Beverly Hills Bristol Farms, and very fancy people there, and they ask you when you're checking out paper or plastic. Um, I have always walked to Bristol Farms. It's like five or six blocks away, but I'm in New York, and nobody in L.A. walks. And, you know, I have some fancy Beverly Hills lady in front of me, oh, paper. And then we go out in the parking lot, and she's getting... Yeah, it reminds me of parents who, like, bike around with their kids on their bike, but also want to impose all sorts of safety regulations on everyone else. Like, biking around with your kid, you know, on the back of your bike, that's about the most dangerous thing <laughs> now an ordinary suburban parent is likely to do with their kid. A Range Rover, while I'm walking home, having to carry all these things with paper isn't going to cut it because I walked, unlike you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and you want something that actually holds a paper bags. And it's just, I, I never cease to be amazed at how this just continues with people. Yeah. Also, would you describe the doctor and the train? And just reading those stories about how people would drink out of a communal cup so grosses me out. Right. No, it was called the common cup, and and in a drinking fountain there would be this tin cup that was chained to the fountain. You know, at a railroad station. And and this doctor who started, you know, who started this campaign in Kansas, um, he, he saw he was on a train, and these these tubercular guys, you know, guys with obvious tuberculosis are all just drinking, and and, and then a family gets on and they're drinking from the same cup. And so, oh. this, like this, um, you know, they had these great campaigns. There was. This character, um, the Dixie Cups, had they really were just wonderful ads. Uh, they had, they, I mean, they would show things with, like during the Spanish uh, flu epidemic, they chose skeletons. That now is no time for contagion, drink Dixie Cups, you know. And they had a character named Phoebe Snow, who was totally dressed in white. And, and, and it was, let me see, I think I actually have that thing somewhere here. Um, what did they say? Um, oh, yes, um, they would show her sitting on a railroad train, and it said, uh, um, On railroad trips, no other lips have touched the cup that Phoebe sips. <laughs> Bro, you've been under-earning Stephen Crowder by $15 million. Yeah, can you believe he was, got a $15 million offer from Daily Wire? Now, I've been looking for your articles, John, in the New York Times since I was a kid. It was the only... I'll be back.